Hello, welcome back to the free. Oh, let me let me take two on that one. Welcome back to Free Reeling It. I'm one of your hosts, Jesse, and with me today is your other host. I'm Matt, or <laughs> Matthew, or, you know, call me what you want. It's fine. <laughs> That's, that, is, that is a great uh, Foster the People song. But it's not call me what you want, it's call it what you want. But anyway, yes. that's a it's a different podcast. My, my favorite song on that Foster the People album, The Closer, Warrant. Really like it a lot. I- that's an, that's an album that will never be made again, and it makes me sad. Yeah, well, usually when a band sort of goes for making a single every cut, it's really hard to keep doing that. No, that's fair. It's just the sound. That sound's never going to That sounds never gonna exist again. Oh, it will. It will. Not by them. You. Um, Not by them. No, 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 no. They're too busy trying to have people sit next to them now. Um, um, but yeah, uh, today, today's episode of the movie podcast we do. Um, yes, we're this talking- is not trivial merit, remember. Yeah. <laughs> One day. Uh, we're talking about Before Sunrise, which came out in 1995. Yes. Uh, directed by Richard Linklater. Uh, co-written by Richard Linklater and Kim Krasen? 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 Sure. Yeah. Uh, I believe this Sorry, Kim. One. We don't know how to say your name. <laughs> yeah, I believe it's the only one she co-wrote, but the characters now, like, she gets credits for all the movies after this because of the characters are hers. Um, mm-hmm. Stars Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. Delpy. Delpy, okay. Have you seen her in anything else? Because I haven't. Yes. So when I was when I was first getting into just watching a lot of movies, uh, it was kind of about the same time uh, Quentin Tarantino started to make his sort of meteoric rise in to where like people outside of the film industry or film circles, new directors. Um, I think it was one of the people that worked on Pulp Fiction mm-hmm. or was associated with Pulp Fiction made a movie called Killing Zoe. Okay, I've heard of this movie. And uh, I, I don't like it all that much. I think it's a real, it's a real weird. It it was it's a it's a real weird movie. Like Eric Stoltz is in it. Um, I'm trying to think of who directed it. It was oh right Roger Avery, uh, who I think he produced Tarantino's stuff or Tarantino's earliest stuff it had something to do with. Tarantino at least that's my memory right now yeah um but when I started getting into uh foreign cinema I I actually started watching movies by this Polish director uh Krzysztof Kieslowski and the first movies I saw of his were his uh Three Colors trilogy and she actually appears in all three of them uh but she's the center character of of the white film 
Uh, and the reason it's called three colors, one's called blue, one's called white, one's called red, because it's three colors of the French flag. I think I've heard of the Colors Trilogy through the Cinefix YouTube channel. Yeah, it's it's a it's an Kieslowski is a very interesting director. Um, I don't know, I don't know the that I don't know the complete scope of his work, but with the way that he does, the I know this is gonna sound pretty stupid of his end but the way he does characters in like a situation or an environment yeah is all is is very interesting now i don't remember like the overall messaging of the three colors trilogy but i remember performances mm-hmm. uh delpy's in white is amazing uh juliette binoche in blue is easily one of the better performances i've ever seen um and I'm trying to remember who was in red. I think red is probably the best of the three overall as a film, but I don't remember. I don't remember the main character of it. Um, and then I had also seen Julie Delpy in something else, but I, uh, I feel like I, I wish I had seen her in way more than I have. Oh yeah. I do remember. Um, she she was in uh two days in paris yeah she was in two days in paris and it, it she directed it she wrote it um i remember going to see this when i worked at uh, a local art house theater in philly and uh it wasn't a bad movie i just didn't care for it all that much yeah so i'm not really gonna i don't really i uh, and then after watching this movie, I actually just started doing like, just like, where's Julie Delpy been? And apparently she's kind of like in a, in a, her own sort of enforced retirement because she's sick of the industry. I mean, and, like, to be fair, I understand. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. You know, if, if you can, if you can, if you can do that. Oh, I remember another thing I saw. She was an American werewolf in Paris. Well, I also haven't seen that. Which is not great. Um, I believe one of one uh, one of the actors in our first movie, that thing you do, is in it. I think Tom Everett Scott's in that. He just kind of shows up places. It feels like. Yeah, yeah, he's the there. He is starring Tom Everett Scott. Hmm. Yeah. Might have to honestly, watch that honestly, again just the, for just for science purposes. But <laughs> the three leads in that thing you do, uh, I feel like just show up places all the time. Like, oh yeah, they kind of like, hey, that's that, that's that guy. <laughs> Yeah, they, they just walk onto a set and be like, hey, you got room? Cool. All right, I'll just walk through. It's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, when uh, when I found out that she was kind of, she's I've not seen a lot of her movies. I kind of want to watch more because I like Julie Delpy. Yeah, Julie she's, Delpy's, she's really great in this. She's a wonderful actress. Um, so yeah, let's, let's jump into Before Sunrise. So I was thinking as, uh, as uh, after I watched it, um, the the hierarchy of uh important romance movies and the important uh less important romance movies but more important movies that discuss romance or love Mm -hmm. and uh i i think that there is a uh hierarchy here where you start with something like scott pilgrim right as like a teenager or a very very young adult 
and you you watch that and that kind of shapes your film idea of like okay this is what a a a deep a deep thinking movie might be um because it says a lot of things that are vague and ambiguous and kind of points you in weird directions that no other movie really has at the time Mm -hmm. so like i feel like that's where that movie kind of fills into that young role and then you have 500 days of summer which is in the next stage i think of that where you are a young adult or mid-20s you see that film you're like ah this is how i've been feeling all the time and it seems again to have such deep things to say about love and relationships but is easily misstrewed to be like oh we should feel bad for justin Brown love his character when we shouldn't um right same thing with scott um and so it's interesting because i feel like at that point you kind of diverge into two lanes and don't get me wrong you can not lane swap all the time but i sure. think most people most general people who like just like watching movies uh will diverge into just romantic comedies that's all they want to watch they want to just mm-hmm. watch romantic comedies they'll watch like when harry met sally that uh or um uh sleepless in seattle like those things yeah they have some interesting takes on love but they're nothing crazy deep i think when harry met sally maybe he's like the, the craziest uh romantic comedy i've watched where like it has kind of a message that it wants to portray but right it's not something you gotta scratch at um or then you, or you switch to art house kind of romance where you get movies like her or get movies like um gosh what's the one with scarlett johansson and bill murray um lost in translation lost in translation yeah or like Punch or or you or or you get like really weird uh relationship norm challenging films like harold and maude yeah like, like harold and maude um I, I think about uh you just get you get you get to the really obscure uh all the way down to antichrist let's bring back antichrist again um but why not? <laughs> uh, but but I, and I think this this is Baby's first uh, art house uh, romance movie, which is which is interesting because this is the first of a trilogy, and it seems mm-hmm. like watching the trailers to the next two, it does evolve with you as as you grow, um, because Ethan Hawke in this is probably the best example of a dude who's who wants to be a deep thinker but doesn't know what to think deeply about yet. <laughs> right and, and and it's like no i can swim in the ocean because i've mastered the shallow end of a swimming pool yeah and like julie Dep- definitely like has lived her life in this movie but mm-hmm. also like has the still has the, the faith that romance exists out there yeah. so she she's enamored by ethan Hawke's kind of wonder of it all but but he's so cynical at the same time he's like a child but he's a very cynical child yeah and so, I, like, what after I finished this, I'm like, yeah, this is Baby's first art house love movie, which I think is great. I think it's a very well done version of that. Um, I can't think of one better than that off the top of my head. She, I, well, so I think we'll see. Now, this is where like our own age gap like comes into it. Yeah, I think because I well, I can't say what my baby's first art house romance would be. Um, I can I can remember my first real like art house romance movie, at least the one that really just sort of rocked me in a way, and that was Amelie, and that was because that was the first foreign movie I'd ever watched. Um, but I think what I what I what I like about 
before sunrise and and this as, as someone who's seen the entire trilogy the one the one thing that sort of echoes uh throughout this trilogy is when when good film put when good films put like normal looking folks in conversations where they're not saying normal things yeah um and I find I find that fascinating. Like there's um there's an early Soderbergh movie that I don't I don't remember. It's it's a weird. I think it's Schizopolis, uh, where there's a there's a conversation where the the it's like I think it's husband and wife are sitting at a table and they don't actually speak sentences. They just say like they just say what they they just call what the statement they would say is. So like husband says general platitude wife (laughs) wife says incredulous response things like that yeah um and i feel like the i I feel like where schizopolis is trying to sort of send up the ideas i think uh link letter chrisen and uh hawk and delpy for sure they come at this idea from a point of of just earnest let's see what happens yeah um but in order to in order to let's see what happens they kind of have to throw a lot of they throw a lot of like i i want to i want to say naive idealism on the table and i feel like that's that's sort of uh an idea that's sort of tackled throughout the film because most of the time like when uh especially you hear you get a lot of this out of delpy for sure in the movie uh where she's like you know i remember my parents you know protesting you know you know the and rebelling against their upbringing government whatever and it's like you still you i i still have to learn my own fight Mm-hmm. and i also think i also think i remember when i found out that this was actually um a series of movies like by the time bef- i think the third one is called before midnight yeah by the time before midnight came out like i i when i saw that i'm like oh they're doing another one okay um but when i i first saw before sunset and i ended up going back to watch before sunrise because i'd never really like i'd heard of ethan hawk because of i think dead poet society in the 90s and any any girl i would be interested in talking to or especially about movies a lot of people say like oh ethan hawk is dreamy um and rightfully so uh but when i went back and watched before sunrise i'm like oh I almost get the idea that this being a series was kind of a, I'm one I say a fluke, but I don't mean that they lucked into it. Yeah. I think it, I think it's sort of like they made this and then I'll bet you link letter probably approached Delpy and Hawk and say, Hey, what do you say we revisit Jesse and Celine and see how they're doing? Yeah. I definitely think that's kind of what happened here. Yeah. And, and, and one thing I like about, I like how Linkletter addresses that. And I even like how you see a lot of the grand strokes over the trilogy just in this film. 
and um i do like how this particular one is sort of a it, it is i think it, it works in a lot of ways because this is the only time these two are ever going to see each other and or at least you know at the time <laughs> what, before, before you know this is a series like this is the only time they're going to see each other so they can throw all this idealism and their own philosophies just sort of out on the table mm-hmm. and lay it all bare and make themselves vulnerable and then all of a sudden they they realize oh shit we fucked up and bit off more than we could chew <laughs> and uh and i think that's sort of it's, it's sort of a beautiful thing i know i kind of trailed off there on we were talking about baby's first art house romance no i but you were talking about too like when this movie came out like what you have to think about like what was the the temperature at the time because that, that, yeah. that is always a thing too with movies um i was listening to someone talk about um uh rear window um okay and how like it didn't really grab them but i'm thinking it's like yeah but and but they said it themselves too it's like but at the time this is probably one of the most gripping movies of all time because of you just didn't get suspense of that kind of caliber the year that it came out mm-hmm. so while we're talking i'm googling romantic movies in 1995 just to see what came out oh, okay so, go right so, ahead yeah so you got let's see popular romantic movies from 1995 uh, a, a walk in the clouds i do not oh, know what God. that is but that's keanu reeves yeah that's keanu reeves uh sabrina i don't know what that is but it looks like harrison ford that is a remake of an audrey hepburn movie and the remake is not good uh empire records no a movie's bad um i don't Mal- care i don't i don't care who hates me for that i do uh, not like empire Mal-Rats, records. uh the american president while you were sleeping, my mom's favorite romantic comedy. The American President. Wasn't that written by Elaine May? Or no, that's Primary Colors. Never mind. Uh, American President is Michael Douglas and Yeah. Sense uh, and Sensibility. That's a Hugh Grant one. Yeah, let's see. Anything else uh, that I would say that people would like to know about? Um, something to talk about. Father of the Bride Part 2. Forget, forget Paris. Speaking of Billy Crystal, yeah, Billy Crystal. Um, I don't think Bad Boys fits into romantic movies, but I'm glad that I see it here. I mean, um, bromantic maybe. Yeah, bromantic is very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like the temperature of it was this is wholesome romantic comedies for the most part. Or yeah. if if there's any spice to them, it's it's sex, which sex isn't really a thing that super plays heavily into this. Um, no, it does a little bit, but not a ton. And so, like, this is probably the only movie at the time really discussing romance in one night, right? It's discussing the concept of romance. It's discussing uh, it's through emotions and through their actions. It's discussing blooming romancing mm-hmm. romances in less than 24 hours. And it, and it discusses, like, hope that something can continue from far away at the end. And so, yeah, I think at the time, this is probably one of the most innovative um like movies currently like about this kind of stuff but i also think about how i guess now that we talk when we talk about romance we have it on such a different level that 
it, it, it when you watch it now it just comes off as a very shallow attempt at trying to talk about bigger concepts but you have to like yeah you have to think about how this is a movie that no one was talking about it so yes it's gonna be very shallow because it's probably one of the few first movies that actually start talking about it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which I, I i also i also like i feel i feel like as i and this is probably another another link letter trope and i and i say that this is just sort of a mark of his work as i pass through my own life his work takes new meaning yeah like it's been a long time since i've watched dazed and confused and part of me like doesn't want to watch it again not because i liked it so much the first time but just because like i don't really feel like revisiting that particular thing but then again if i did i would probably find a different a, a different new take on it that i that i didn't see the first time around uh, but as i as i move through this I, I as i move through my own life and then revisit this one i don't i i don't think it's shallow i i, I guess my my thing of saying it's shallow is, is i don't really mean like itself is shallow but like the characters mm-hmm. themselves are talking at a very surface level about some things that yeah. i think about nowadays as stuff but again it's not surface level for 95 it's surface level for 2021 True. Um, oh so, yeah oh you know what you're right you're you're, you're yeah you're right there. but i but the, here's the here's the biggest thing this is the reason i say that it, for me is ethan hawk is me like that's the thing i when i talk when i talk about love of friends and romance as friends i talk very much like ethan hawk still and like i know that I, that means uh-huh. this is about young people because I'm only 28, which is older to some, young to some. Um, and so I, I think, or not 28, 27, I should correct myself because I don't want to feel older than I already am. Um, but like, I see myself in him. So that's the only reason I can say to myself, like he knows nothing because I know nothing. Well, uh, speaking as a, as a, as a, as a, as a, a dude of of, of significant uh, further aging, <laughs> uh, I, I still feel very much the same way a lot of the time. Uh, so, so I'm not really sure that ever really you ever really grow out of that. I, I think a lot my of ways. favorite my favorite thing about this movie overall um, is Ethan Hawke's cynicism of a lot of things mm-hmm. and how she challenges him on everything um I, I think the, the one of the best thing is uh when the fortune teller comes up and reads her hand reads her, reads uh, her palm and he goes ah it's just it's it's a it's it's a all scam you really believe that stuff and she's like why not like why not believe it yeah exactly um which it, to be yeah. fair to be fair i've been this i've been ethan hawk on way more times than i could count in this in a in a conversation very similar to things like um where i've been like yeah they're just you're, you just want you just want to hear something good about your day and, yeah. and you paid them to tell you that and, and his cynicism kind of wears on her because when they get to the poet uh, uh a while after that and he writes the poem Ethan Hawke goes, yeah, he probably just filled in a pre yeah. preset thing and she goes you think uh, maybe and like she doesn't really challenge him on that um, compared to like the the fortune teller and i think at that moment he realizes he's being too much himself 
And the conversation kind of shifts to being like, what about wonder? What about amazement? A bit more than it was before. At least that was my read of it. I don't know if that's actually what's happening, but that's how I feel like is he, once he, once he kind of pulls off her shine a little bit, he's like, oops, I, I polished a bit too rough there. Yeah. Well, I mean, very much on that same token, uh, there's, there's, I think a little bit after that where they're sitting, or I don't remember if this is before that or after they're sitting in, I'm going to assume it's a bar and uh, she decides she's going to call her friend. Yeah. And she does the whole, put the, put the thumb and pinky to the face, ring, 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 expecting Ethan Hawke to to pick up and, and have it. and, And like, I, what I love about this is I, I love and this is something that has happened every time I've ever, I, I love the way that Ethan Hawke acts this moment out because he acts like a dude who's trying not to reveal that he just found out he's getting played. Yeah. In a lot, of, not like played like, like, like Julie Delpy's going to stand up and go, you got, got son. But uh, like, just like she, she, like, I think in, in a lot of, like first date scenarios or early romance scenarios you don't want to be found out and figured out in a lot of ways um like uh you remember the movie have you have you seen high fidelity i have not no okay well there's a moment where uh john cusack and and uh catherine zeta jones are getting together Mm mm-hmm and he's like, I'm just, I, I feel like one of those person, one of those people who all, who, who always, who said they were always punk, but really just found out about punk three weeks ago and is about to be found out at any given moment. And Ethan Hawke acts that exact feeling out the entire time they're doing these conversations. And uh, the reaction that he gives off, or at least the way I read it, is that he is fascinated by someone who is vastly I, I say I say more intelligent but like Julie Delpy is very much at a wiser place at this point or Julie Delpy's character is at a wiser place at this point in her life and Ethan Hawke's character is fascinated by that yeah, and, and what's, what I think is really great about this, too, is where they're both at exactly at this point. Because mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke's coming back from a very... Let's, okay, this is the thing about this movie. Um, so Ethan Hawke says he, he, he's coming back from a breakup because mm-hmm. he went to go see his girlfriend, who's on... Uh, uh, what's it called? World Field Studies? World Studies? It's, a, it's like a... It's like a it's basically it's basically like a foreign yeah. or study so, abroad foreign exchange situation yeah. so he went to go see her as a surprise he saved up all his money and in my mind i'm like okay did she want you there yeah did, <laughs> did like did she were you were you invited yeah or Cause, or cause, did you just show up yeah because he's like yeah she was always around her friends we never had her alone time i'm like yeah because you you showed up <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> I, the invited. fascinating the fascinating part is there is the information you don't get. It's like Yeah. And, and it's very much a toxic kind of sense that you're getting from this conversation. And 
so he's coming from he's coming from a place where he's probably in like i read as he's in the wrong in this but he maybe he's not who knows um mm-hmm. this is 95 toxic masculinity wasn't a concept i guess um oh no it was <laughs> oh no it was did we it, want to talk about it no <laughs> yeah, there's an interesting uh talk about feminism in this movie too about killing men um yes the, but uh and so, he, but he's very raw. And that's what I think was very interesting because he comes into this very raw looking for romance because he, he lost his automatically. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he finds someone who like is oozing romance, but not towards him, just towards life. Yeah. Um, and so it's very interesting to watch him kind of like dissect it and like, kind of like, why, why are you like this? Why do you like being like this? because he's such he's such at a raw place that we don't even know until halfway like through the movie that he's at such a raw place but he is like the the conversation they have on the the tram or the bus or whatever about like he's like what's the point (laughs) what's the point in life yeah exactly the third or fourth conversation they have is about him talking about maybe we should just be dead yeah well and then and then like you you know someone who's like you fast forward, you know, to 2021, where we're in a, we're in a weird place culturally, just as a whole. And you still have characters like Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec going, you know, would I get married again? Yeah, I'd get married again. Cause if you don't believe in love, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, yeah. And, and Ethan Hawke is still this very much, he's very he's brooding. And I think like, you you get that he's the his first real life experience has been a negative one mm-hmm. so he's kind of at a place where he's ex- assuming just oh it's it's only negative from here which is which in a lot of ways is kind of like valid and fair but i, I like how julie delpy is like hey you got to let this shit in sometimes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Not everything is wolves at the gate ready to ruin your day, Ethan Hawke. I, I like, too, how the movie opened up, too, with a couple fighting about no one knows what. Neither one of them can speak. Uh, is it German? Yes, it's German. Yeah, and neither one of them can speak it, so no one knows exactly what they're fighting about. But that's what connects these two is watching a, um, a definitely older married couple fighting. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting tone to set where like it opens up with a fight and the movie's about like love and what does it mean and like that that fight itself seems to be about love in some ways because they come back like they leave the train car and they come back and they're not fighting anymore really um it's just it's just a very interesting tone to set for a movie like this Mm -hmm. 100 um my one of my another one of my favorite ones is right after that where uh, Julie Delpy goes. Did you did you understand? Or have you have you uh, heard that um, the reason married couples last so long is that they stop being able to hear each other? Yeah. And I'm like, and and then, then if you if you if you think about that, in the, just the right amount of time, all of a sudden you realize that. Well, at least this is just me speaking my own experience. Like, oh, I think I get my parents now, yeah. or something yeah. like that. It's like. Oh man, <laughs> she's singing about my life all of a sudden. I, I also uh, like that they compare books that they're reading, and she's reading something pretty educational while he's reading like, like literature. And he go and he go he goes 
uh, uh, I, I, like he, he's embarrassed that he's reading something yeah. that's not smart to him. Uh, don't don't be embarrassed as long as it's not what is it that David Foster Wallace book Which Infinite one? Jest. Uh, <laughs> and, and like I also like that his idea, his concept for a PBS show. I'm like, just let's just film someone for a day and see what happens. Which I kind of feel like I kind of feel like in, in a different timeline. There's a in a different timeline. Richard Linklater's done that exact thing. Well, that that's that's his whole shtick. Is like he's felt like every movie that I know of his and know about is him technically pretending to film someone for a day, and mm-hmm. what happens in that day. And that's why I think his movies uh, get so so recognizes that he does it so naturally there's a great video about this trilogy of movies um, by the royal ocean film society where he talks about why conversations work in these movies more than other movies about conversations um and it's the it's the escalation de-escalation escalation de-escalation that happens in um the movies that happens in normal life and most movies don't tend to do that even if they're about conversations they just escalate 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 until they hit their climax and then they go back down where Mm -hmm. this movie like you see uh ethan hawk and julie uh they'll be like pull away from conversations when they feel like it's getting too much yeah but but that doesn't mean the conversations ended it means that they just uh uh shifted gears to make it less intense like um there's a conversation that they have not too long after the poet about like what's it mean? I think it's like what's it mean to be close to someone and that and that conversation um lasts for like a couple scenes but it has different intensities to the whole entire thing it doesn't stay at one point and it doesn't just keep going up it goes up and down up and down and mm-hmm. it's very much how normal conversations go so I think it's it's very very well put together in that way in the same way like we talked about other like Richard Linklater movies like you talk about Slacker Days to Confuse and I was talking about Everybody Wants Some like there's no plot to those movies there's like zero yeah. actual like you tell me what this movie's about what what's the goal of this movie um mm-hmm. but it's about to, it's about giving you an experience um yes and I think this movie yes the plot is these two fall in love in one night but I think the the main purpose of it is to give give you the feeling of falling in love with someone in one night. Um, and I think it does that very well. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Like what, what I, I think when, when I, when I saw before sunset, I went with my, my ex-wife and well, she was my wife. She was, we were not married at the time yet. Um, I went with her sister as well. So it was all three of us. And all they did after the movie was like, oh, you have you have to watch before sunrise because it is one it is it is like it it ignites the spark. And so like I didn't really know about before sunrise when I saw before sunset. Yeah. And when I watched this movie the first time and I still sort of believe it now, like the one thing that Ethan Hawke seems to be cynical about is uh, he's so cynical to the point where he has tunnel vision. Uh, he does not see the magic happening to him. Yeah. 
and I think that's part of why it's magic. Like you don't, I mean, if someone, if, if you see a magician in front of you who's doing a trick and it's blowing your mind, and if he says, what I did was this, all of a sudden it's not, it's not near as fun anymore. Um, but I also think that like Julie Delpy is completely aware of the magic. And I think she displays that in that conversation that I mentioned about her calling her friend, but it's Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. And, and cause she's saying things uh, she she does like statements of wonder where she's like I he he's like a little boy and I'm fascinated by a little boy with dreams yeah and and things like that and and the one thing that is the one thing that does seem to happen in just about every Richard Linkletter movie I've seen is there's a bit of magic and that magic takes many forms and in this particular one it is two people meeting on a train mm-hmm. and and falling in love over the course of a night and it's it's fucking beautiful and, <laughs> it's, and, it still really is and before you know it at the end of the movie too when they're when they have to leave each other the passion that they're both like we have to see each other this is we're going to come mm-hmm. back in a year we're going to see each other at this spot this time and like how they barely can let go and you're like wait a second we started this movie off and they were strange this is 12 hours ago they were absolute strangers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we're here and it feels so natural and such a and like i don't know about you I, i've seen a lot of romantic comedies i grew up in a house full of women that's all i was watching for a period of my life um and so the escalation of romantic comedies usually i'm not saying this for all but like i would say a good 70 percent of them never feels natural like it never feels like and, and also these movies happen over weeks like those movies always happen over weeks and it's like uh-huh. how, why do you two like each other there's no yeah. real reason you two should like each other well and like in those ones that happen over weeks it's like it, it, everything is over planned and overwrought and no one shoots from the hip everything is so choreographed and what i what i love about this is a lot of it is shooting from the hip and and i think a lot i think a lot of i i think a lot of people's better relationships are probably more improv than choreography yeah in a lot of ways and and i think that and just speaking of speaking on like how they're at the train and i had when i was young i had a friend who would move he moved away when i was in fourth grade fifth grade maybe Mm -hmm. and uh, he was like he was we were inseparable he was like my he was my best buddy and the couple of times we were actually able to go see each other and he only moved three hours away he didn't move a continent away or an ocean away or anything like that but it always seemed like that last those last few moments of us together were, were us basically hyperventilating trying to plan to keep it in contact yeah and ultimately for us it was it didn't happen um we tried we made an effort but it was feeble and it didn't take and that's life but uh i i've sort of lived that moment (laughs) a lot a, a lot and it was uh i always get a little choked up at the end or i i sort of feel for the characters just because I've, I've been i've been there and it sucks 
even yeah. with the excitement. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, just thinking about this movie more and more. I mean, I'm excited that we're going to eventually watch the other ones for this, but um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just really, it's really, it was a really nice hour and a half. Also, this movie's like only like an hour and a half. It's so nice yeah. to watch a short movie. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, I think it's 101 minutes. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a very it's breezy. A, oh God, it's a, it's a lovely bit of breeze. Let me tell you. Uh, the thing though too is talking about how I know I don't know if they I don't know how much they did it for this one. Um, I meant to watch more special feature stuff, but I just said they have enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for the for the next two for sure they Ethan Hawke and Julie they like they rehearse and rehearse these conversations, and they would rewrite them with Richard Linklater as they were rehearsing, saying, "No, this doesn't feel natural. Let's change it to this. Let's change." Yeah. To make sure it actually feels like a conversation, and I I feel like they had to have done it with this one too because it's like it's just the way the man is. Mm-hmm. Um, so to do something like that, I think for a romantic comedy also is super key to how this movie doesn't feel like it's a rushing anything because it's it, it it's just it's two people having a talk and like it feels like two people having it it feels like you're listening in on two people having a talk and which is kind of creepy yeah. the more you think about it but um it, it's true it's just how it feels and i think mm-hmm. i don't know i don't i, don't, I can't even anything else to talk about about this movie because that's really what all it, it comes down to mm-hmm. and it's very sweet overall about that yeah, I, I mean, well, I, I think there's a, there's a, there's one of my, uh, or a saying I like, and I think it's John Lennon that said it, is life is what happens when you're making other plans. Yeah. And I feel like that is, that is all over this movie because like these two don't understand, like, like, I mean, what I love is immediately after getting off the train, they're already nervous like like julie delby is not yeah she's like well why am i doing this she's like why the hell i'm supposed to go to paris i'm in vienna i'm not on the train anymore what have i done ethan hawk is like i have dragged this woman off the train and i don't know i don't know what to do next (laughs) and they're both going but this is great right this is gonna be we're gonna be fine and then then they 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 come on to they come on to two strangers and who are ultimately like, oh, so you're American. How about you speak German for a change? Which is something I've experienced. Which, which the other is, guy says it's just a little joke when it's 100% not a joke. It's not a joke. And and I, I will tell you this, it's 100% valid. And I, and, and I also think that like, I think it's really hard. Uh, I mean, I think it's really hard when people look at and Americans like yes, but you don't speak any other language. But like most of the time, we don't have to practice. Yeah. Like, and I'm I'm not saying that I'm not I'm not saying that to be like problematic in any way. But um, one of uh, there was a podcast I was on uh, about video games for a long time called Platinum Achievements, and one of the uh, one of my co-hosts was Antonio mexican grew up in chicago does not speak spanish he's like and when people say like well you you're you're mexican how do you not speak spanish he's like because i don't have anybody to practice with yeah everybody's everybody i'm around speaks english so if i don't have anyone any place to practice how do i how and i get that and um and having been to having been you know in a relationship with someone from another country you go to that country and you try really hard 
to just ingratiate yourself to the family, the friends, the culture by learning the by learning the language to whatever rudimentary ability you can. The, and I've been what Ethan Hawke described at the beginning of the movie. It's like I, I practiced to go to say like "umbie s'il vous plaît." Yeah, and I've. I've been in that situation where I'd be like, okay, I'm going to order this in Romanian right now. And all I can say is shit. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. And then I was like, little help. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you get ridiculed by the rest of the table for a little bit. Um, but, and I think one of the things I learned just going to Europe for the first time, and then one of the things I think Europeans learn coming to America for the first time is European countries, relatively small, and there's a lot of them packed together. Yeah. And it's easy to, it's easy to encounter multiple language, multiple cultures, multiple ideas in the same day. States are fucking big. Mm-hmm. The U.S. is fucking big. Not it's not the biggest country in the world, but when you're the it's we're kind of we share a landmass with a country to the south and a country to the north, and that's it. The country to the north speaks English and some French, or half French, yeah, or whatever or whatever they call it. I know there's like French Canadian, and it, hearing. Uh, a Canadian, a, a Canadian from where is it? Montreal. Speak French does not sound like someone from Paris. Very oh, much yeah. like, very much like Brazilian Portuguese does not sound like someone from Portugal. Yeah. Um, and you, depending on where you grow up in the U.S., you don't get a lot of exposure to Spanish. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like I'm, I'm dwelling on this thing because of my own experience i'm not trying to be that guy but uh but yeah it's it's real (laughs) and even when you even when you try you fail yeah um but then they tell you see like the one thing like those two guys tell you about a wonderful weird play that part of me wishes they would have went to yeah i was i was thinking too when they talk about how they forgot to go to the plane i'm like yeah i kind of wish you guys did though because it'd be interesting to see what conversation came from that and then it just comes back to the they had planned to go to that but life happened yeah so uh this film's great man it's so you know, good. It's, it's really good do you have any other last thoughts about this before like kind of wrap up the talk about it uh i you know i'm excited to watch you go through this trilogy mm-hmm. on the show uh and i'm excited to watch it again and i think as we're going through it too like we'll be coming back to this movie to compare and contrast characters to talk about the discussions they had in this movie that might come up again in the next because i'm not sure what comes up in the next ones um so yeah i'm, I'm interested to see how how we come back to this after we watch the next two I'm, I, as I remember, I know before sunset, like really, really well, like even still after all these years, um, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like how I was coming to our last episode about the three Gundam movies as someone who has seen Gundam multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I was really excited for you to experience that. Um, I know you had seen some, but not all. Yeah. 
Um, so I, I'm, I'm kind of in, in that space because they're like, don't forget the sunrise because they talk about it. Yeah. I, I, I need to find, I need to find a, a movie that I really like that you haven't seen just so I can have you experience it for the first time. Uh, I'm pretty sure your top 10 had one. At least one. Uh, I, fe- I feel like, though, in general, that, like, so for all the movies I've picked, <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, I've seen this. Like, well, we're going to watch see, it anyways. I, but, see, but see, here's the thing. What I love about it, this is one of the things I love about doing this. And I actually, I, I think Caroline and I talk about it on Trivial Merit a lot, yeah. is we like revisiting. Yeah, yeah no, I get that. And, and so... I don't really think <laughs> don't don't be so focused on planting the flag as you are traversing the terrain. And with that, I think we can move on to <laughs> our, uh, our, our our I don't know what we call it a segment, but it is a segment that we do every time. Um, what have you been watching or enjoying? I feel like I, feel like I just said something offensive. I no, you I didn't. didn't. No, no, you, you, you put you were putting a really nice bow on it because this isn't about a destination. This movie isn't about like them leaving each other. It's about the journey they take to get there. Yes. Uh, so you put a really nice bow on it. That's why I moved on. All right. Um, so what have you been enjoying this week or the last two weeks? Uh, well, I brought I brought up part of it. Uh, Reba and I have begun watching Parks and Recreation again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do we do like that. I think that's actually I think that's actually one of my five favorite shows ever. Um, and and that that show's really fun. It's re- I mean even when it's not you know hilarious, there's still like really good things that happen throughout. Uh, we had a bit of a movie marathon the other day where we watched this movie and then we watched Shrek 2. We watched a third one, but I don't remember what it was. Shrek 3. No, we didn't watch Shrek 3. But Shrek 2 is my favorite Shrek movie. I think because I, I sequels in films are they can be a lot like, and, I, and I'm going to make this weird comparison for just go with me on this. Sequels in films can be like sequels in video games where, cause like almost always like the sequel is better than the first in video games. Whereas in movies, it's, it's not, but the sequels that tend to take the world and idea created in the first movie and play around in that world and idea and say, okay, we set up all these things. Now mm-hmm. let's try. Let's try and see what happens when we try and cash all these checks. I think Shrek Two is a very good example of that because, like, okay, you get Cameron Diaz, and so I'm going to spoil the shit out of Shrek One. So if you've not seen it, my apologies. Oh, I've seen. Um, it. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so Cameron Cameron Diaz plays a princess who is in a, who has been imprisoned in a tower and she becomes an ogre upon true love's first kiss because she takes true love's form. Well, unfortunately, you you start thinking about okay, so how did her parents decide to put her in the tower or whatever? And then they sort of explore all of that idea in the second film, and it's I think the the weird lengths that they go. To sort of, mm-hmm. <laughs> to sort of just play around in this in the world created by this, you know, 
silly idea. Yeah. Can call it. Uh, I think that that's fascinating. And, uh, and I think you get the best performances in the, tr- it's only three movies, right? They didn't do. No, there's four. There's four movies. Was there a Shrek four? Yeah, there was four. I think four, if three wasn't Rumpelstiltskin, four was Rumpelstiltskin. Okay, so I've not seen Shrek four. I knew there was. I knew there was Shrek three. Isn't three about finding her brother? Maybe. Oh wow. One of them is about Rumpelstiltskin. One's about finding her brother. If I remember correctly. Okay. And I think her brother's played by like Justin Timberlake or something like that. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. I've seen one, two, and three. I've not seen four. So. Uh, but yeah, Shrek Two. Shrek Two is delightful. Yes, it's very good. I wish I remembered the third movie we watched though, but I don't. Uh, I've also still kind of chugging through Zeta Gundam. I did pick up a couple more series of Gundam that I didn't have prior. Nice. Now I know why you haven't been buying anything from the Criterion Collection. Yeah. I have a lot of Criterion movies already, though. So, <laughs> um, like for instance, a uh, movie mentioned on this show, Days and Confused. I own the Criterion version. Uh, I've not ever watched it because I saw Days and Confused in the theaters and just have never wanted to watch it again. Yeah, put on those commentaries and the special features. I've th- I've thought every time I like I really like the case to the to the Criterion DVD for Days and Confused, but I'm just I still haven't done it. That's fair. I always keep going back to old favorites, um, which is probably a sign I'm getting old. I don't know. Uh, But eventually I'll watch it again. What have you been watching, Jesse? I I watched... uh, What did I watch? I know I've watched at least one movie uh, other than (laughs) before, uh, Before Sunrise. Let me look. Um... I watched Black Widow, the Marvel movie. Um, we don't have to talk about Marvel movies on this show. I, it's just one of the better ones, I think. Okay. Um, and I watched uh, No Sudden Move, which is the new um, oh, yeah, uh, Steven Soderbergh movie. Mm-hmm. Did you I watch that or haven't that. watched it? Yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. I want to. I think it is a good movie. I think the plot is a little messy. Um, so I it's think- a Soderbergh movie. Yeah, I guess. I like. I think the first Oceans movie and the last Oceans movie that he did were very good plot-wise. The second one's pretty bad. Um, I haven't seen much more past that. I haven't. Well, maybe I have. What else has Steven Soderbergh done? Um, I think he's done one other thing I've seen. Um, I he meant to watch well, Logan Lucky, but I haven't watched that yet. Okay, he did. He did the George Clooney version of Solaris, I believe. I did not watch that either. Um, which it's actually okay. I forgot he did uh, Magic Mike too. Oh yeah, he did Magic Mike. Um, I've I've seen Haywire. That is not a great movie. I um, haven't seen that. That's uh so. that's the first Gina Carano movie too. It's the first oh, really? uh, the first uh, R rated movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh, except Passion of the Christ, but that doesn't count because I didn't want to go see that. I was forced to see that one. Um, oh yeah, Passion of the Christ. What are your thoughts on Passion of the Christ real quick? Do you ha- can you do it real quick or no? Yeah, I can do it real quick. I think it's okay. It's not a bad okay. movie. It's it, All it, right. it's not a movie you probably should force like kids to see, like a lot of uh, religious organizations did. Um, but I think it's Wait, fine. What? No. Well, like, <laughs> yeah, not organizations, but like my parents are like, hey, you're 
it's about Jesus. You have to watch this. Um, but uh, I don't like. I don't know how disrespectful it is at all. Because um, I know there's some weird stuff about the Jew, uh, like the 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 Jewish um, language used in it. Um, but I'm not sure exactly. I can't remember what, what exactly is wrong with that. Um, I th- I think it's fine. It's very Catholic. It's not very uh, r- regular Christian. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. Yeah, because Mel no, Gibson. It, Mel Gibson is very Catholic, so yeah, it's going to be very a, Catholic imagery. Yeah, it's very, very. It's a very Catholic. <laughs> it's very gory. It's very well done um, gore, if anything. Uh, thinking about other Soderbergh movies, real quick. He did uh, Sex Lies and Videotape. I haven't seen that. Which I haven't seen in a very long time. Um, Aaron Brockovich. Didn't see that either. Traffic. Nope. Uh, I think I think it's literally just Ocean's movies are the only things I've seen by him still. Oh really? Out of Sight with George Clooney and Jennifer Lopez. Um, he he did. Uh, There's a bunch I want to watch. He did happen. Che, starring Benicio del Toro in yeah, 2008. Part one. But Benicio del Toro is in this, and he's pretty good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, I think I think overall it's fine. It's just the plot is like it's one of those plots that um that it um it says a lot of names and you don't have anybody to put the names to. Oh, okay. Which is fine once they start showing up and you can finally put faces to names, but then you have to remember the plot that happened like 30 minutes ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I think that's his biggest flaws. It's a little too complex for its own good. But I think the resolution, the resolution is very Soderbergh, and it's very, it, it finishes very well. I think. Okay. Um, and then other than that, I'm just watching Breaking Bad for the first time. Well, not the first time. Let me rephrase that. Finishing it for the first time. Finishing for. Where are you at? I went all the way. Originally, I would have went all the way to near the end of season three, and I stopped because I got bored. Not. Mm-hmm. Not because it's a boring show. It's because my where I was at in life, I was bored. <laughs> sure. Um, now I'm in season five currently, and I'm, and I'm like about four or five episodes into season five, and I'm like, I'm ready to finish this. And so probably next time we talk, I'll watch all of Breaking Bad and all of El Camino. Was it only five seasons? Only five seasons. Last season was only 16 episodes, too. I feel, God, I felt like that show went on for goddamn It's because five got split in two, I think. Okay. So five was over two years instead of one. Okay. I mean, Better Call Saul is only going to be six seasons, and it feels like it's been on forever because season six was delayed a year. Or so. Oh. Uh, um. So yeah, that's I'm. All, that's I'm. All I'm watching. still. I'm still shocked that 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 show has caught on for as long as it has. I'm not. I've not watched a. I've not watched a frame of Better Call Saul. Uh, but I'm still just sort. Of, I'm still sort of shocked that. That one little character, they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna make a movie. We're gonna make a show out of this." I, I according to my friends right. who lo- love this series, uh, like Baracol Saw is like a very good spinoff, like of how you see things. Like especially now, it's now it's in, like it's getting to its last season. You start to see things click into place that lead into what happens in Breaking Bad. Um, oh, okay. But it's very interesting to see like. It, it it's kind of reverse Walter White, where like Walter White like just goes bad from the jump, kind of where like. Mm-hmm. Saul Goodman tries his hardest to not go bad for as long as he can, and it just keeps on happening to him. Um, sure. So yeah, I, I can't. I I'm excited to get to that because I do like 
saw Bob Odenkirk as Saul very much, which I guess speaking of Bob Odenkirk, I watched half of I Think You Should Leave season two, and Bob Odenkirk is probably one of the best skits of that whole whole entire <laughs> season so far. Nice. Um, it's it's a it's a nice twist on the when you try to get an adult that like like maybe your dad did this. I know my dad did that to my sisters. Where like you're telling your kid a, a lie or a fib, and like you see another adult, and you're like, hey, yeah, you know what I mean, right? And they have they jump in on the lie with you. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a very nice twist on that. Oh, okay, all right, that's cool. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, that's all I've been watching. Um, so what is our, it, it, you're picking the movie for next time. So in two weeks, what are we watching, sir? We are watching, uh, we're, we're going to touch a lot of Matt buttons for our next film. It's a French hitman movie from 1967, uh, starring, uh, blue eyed dreamboat, Alan Delon, and it is directed by Jean-Pierre Melville. It's called Les Samurai. I'm glad you have to say all the French stuff next time. I don't have to think about it. That's fine. Um, I will I will butcher the hell out of it. And this is only, on the, the only reason this this is the only reason I say it the way I do is because of my because of my <laughs> ex-wife and her family. I, I, will, I wouldn't even be able to pronounce it, so you're good. Um and this is on HBO Max and the Criterion channel if you have either of those. Uh, yes. at least currently as of recording this on July 18th. Um yes. and so yeah, that's in two weeks. That's what we'll be talking about. Um, you can follow this show on Twitter at Free Reeling It. Uh, you can email us at Free Reeling It Podcast at gmail.com. Nope. Nope. Is it just Free Reeling It for that, too? It's just Free Reeling It. I could have sworn. I'll get this right one day. You know, I what? Wrote... I, you know, you know what? The way, I see, the way I see it, Jesse, you're six in a row. Keep going. One day I'll get it right. Um, you know, you... I don't. I, <laughs> I, I'd like, I like that you don't. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. And I'm not um, like. Yeah. You can find Matt's other show at Trivial Merit uh, on Twitter. Um, and they have an email that you can find on that probably. Um, yes, it is trivial.merit at gmail.com. Uh, um, you can find Jesse's other show on Twitter at Y Comics or Comics Pod. No, at Y Comics Pod. See, you got to say the whole thing correctly. I, I was going to get to it. Um, <laughs> well, you it, started with mine. I figured I'd just, <laughs> I was just doing the take the baton. <laughs> um, if you have any thoughts on the movies we've talked about or just any movies that you'd like us to watch eventually, um, we honestly would just love to hear from you in general. Yes. Um, you can tweet at us at our Twitter. Um, you can I just reply on the uh, on the on the threads when we post them, or you can email us and we'll read your reactions on air. Just and honestly, you don't have to talk about this movie. You can talk about any movie we've covered yes. uh, so far. Any thoughts on any of them? We will go back and talk about any of them. Um, or you could just be like, "Hey, dude, you see this movie? You should yeah, check it yeah, out." That one too. Yeah, that's totally fine. <laughs> Um, and then if you like the show, uh, review it wherever you listen to it and tell a friend about it. Yeah. Um, Matt, who does our theme? Uh, it is, it is my friend. He goes by the name Deadeye. Uh, his name is Jason. That's all I'll give you. Uh, you can find him at Deadeye Productions. That's D-E-A-D, the letter I, Productions, all one word on Instagram. Um, you can find the album he did with the band The Hope Street Steppers on Spotify, or I believe it's on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Um, it is called Black Lightning, and it is one of my favorite reggae albums ever. And before we get out of here, I just want to thank my sister, who has live tweeted 
just about every episode of our show oh. to me via text. <laughs> you send me some of those screenshots. I'm curious. She, and and kind of disappointed. She said she was going to write in and didn't. So there's your call out, Amanda. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> thank you guys again for listening to this. It's very fun for us to do this. I enjoy it every time we get to do it. I don't know why I'm being sentimental. Maybe it's because the movie's about being sentimental in some ways. Um, but uh, what's our catchphrase for this time? <laughs> uh, you know what? Be sentimental. Yeah, be sentimental. It, Live in the moment. Enjoy what you like while you like it. And Otherwise, we, what are you doing? Yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see you guys in two weeks.